Hi, my name is Joseph Kopser. I'm the CEO and co-founder of RideScout, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast, straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy, sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I have to say that this podcast has had a very strong influence of alcohol-related app founders. We've had, if you look through some past episodes, we've uh, had uh, discussions with the guy from Orderella, the, the founder. He's currently raising a lot of money for his uh, app. We've had uh, other, um, the breath, breathalyzer, I think two breathalyzer apps, and uh, just it's just a lovely, fascinating story because we i feel like the in the app store there's a lot of demand for alcohol related apps and so i am very pleased and very excited to introduce our guest today his name is harry raymond and he is the co-founder of swig just go to swig.co very easy what a great domain name swig s-w-i-g swig.co and uh, he's got an iOS uh, app, and uh, his Android app is in beta as well at the moment. So, Harry, I want to welcome you to the App Guy podcast. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about Swig and how you got the idea? And uh, then, you know, ninety-nine percent of people that get the ideas just uh, kind of sit on them and don't do much about it. But you took action, so perhaps you can just tell us what where the idea came from and and how you actually then got this thing uh, working. Absolutely. So Swig is a photo sharing community for drink enthusiasts. Uh, it's a great way to follow taste influencers, bartenders, friends, and discover great drinks. Uh, so you could say we're like a part social network, part search engine um, for great beers, wines, and spirits. And uh, I guess I got the idea because I loved Drinking. <laughs> and I, <laughs> no, let's just check. Are you drinking right now? I mean, I'm having a glass of wine, but are you? <laughs> I'm not drinking right now, <laughs> but uh, hopefully soon. But you know, it's not. I have had someone on the show before, episode 50 ish, where the guy uh, cracked open a vintage bottle of the whiskey. So, um, you know, it's uh, we're long overdue for someone else to crack open a, a drink. But uh, it's a little early here in New York, but <laughs> <laughs> it's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> um, yeah, and I, because I loved drinking and exploring new craft beer brands, um, I recently got into cocktails. There's this great mixology renaissance going on. Um, but I never really remembered the names of the great drinks I was trying. Um, and so I felt like there was a fundamental problem with taste memory. And so we set out to build something to help people capture great drinks and better understand their tastes. So t- tell us then about you personally, because I'd love to know like, how you found the time to do this. Was this uh, like your uh, you know, main uh, source of revenue or your main concern? Uh, or are we doing this on the part-time? Perhaps you can give us an idea of you know, where you were and, and how you could afford the time and the, and the investment to invest in this idea. Yeah, well, this, it actually began as a passion project. Um, I was just doing it on the side. So previously, I ran a company called East Village Digital, and we did social media marketing um, and designed websites for small businesses. And this was kind of a fun project on the side, uh, and it was my first mobile app. And 
it was, uh, I met my co-founder, Nick. We became drinking buddies. <laughs> and uh, several, several drinks later, he decided to help me build a prototype. So, um, so, so let me get this straight then. You're, you're actually running, what, your own company and uh, as an entrepreneur and, and you have this passion project on the side. And uh, I guess it, it came to light over a few drinks and, and then eventually you got to know Nick and you guys uh, on the back of a, a beer mat, whatever it was, uh, put down an idea for an app and then uh, away you go. Exactly, yeah. And um, as we started building it, we, we were working on it on the side for about a year. And we started to realize that people really, really liked this thing, really felt like they were getting a lot of value out of it. Um, and it got to a point where we wanted to do it full time. Um, I, think, I think the moment that we want, knew that we should do this full time, we, we won a Microsoft and Google startup pitch event. And uh, we won almost $45,000 in cash and services. And when you get that kind of recognition, we felt like, especially for a drinking app, <laughs> we felt like this is something that we could, uh, that we could do full time. Well, congratulations, first of all. I mean, it, you know, clearly winning uh, a Google event and, and getting that big cash injection from a prize is an amazing start. Uh, I think you have to go down as one of the most interesting starts to an, an app. And uh, uh, what a wonderful, inspirational journey. What did you have to give up then to pursue this? What... Uh, sacrifices did you have to make to pursue this this uh, what ultimately was a passion project turned to your full-time thing well you know like all the developers and startups out there um anytime you jump into a new venture there's a ton of risk um and you usually give up steady income <laughs> maybe health insurance <laughs> and so it, but i mean i looked at it when i was asking myself the question should i go for this. I thought that 20 years from now, I'm going to look back and say, wow, you should have gone, you should have at least tried. Um, and I, I didn't want to have the regret of not going for it. So um, we started building out the community and we've learned a lot along the way. And we, we hope we're onto something big. Well, let's tap into what you've learned because first of all, I'm getting super excited about listening to your story. And I know that the uh, Appster tribe listening to this right now are uh, also, you know, following along and, and, and uh, getting inspired. We've had people that have actually left their uh, full-time nine-to-fives because of the guests. Uh, you could be one of them as well that encourages people to follow their passions. But uh, I guess we have to be slightly realistic in that it's going to be tough for uh, people. And uh, how did you use that cash injection then to... Uh, in, what, did you increase downloads through um, advertising? Perhaps you can give us a, an idea of uh, how you grew the, the download numbers and, uh, and got this thing successful. Yeah, um, well, one thing, one philosophy that we have at Swig is just get something out there, ship it. Um, because we spent about, I'd say, eight months on our first version, um, really perfecting the app, we, we spent a lot of time on design, and we released it. A lot of our friends downloaded it. We actually quickly became a top 100 food and drink app, and then no one was using it. <laughs> so we had a lot of downloads, but not many people were using it. Um, and if we had just put something out there quickly, we could have learned how people were using it. 
and iterated and made something that people actually wanted. Um, so, that, so actually the first version of the app was a personal utility drink journal app. Uh, there was no social component whatsoever. There was no photo uh, component. It was purely a way to write down the names of the beers, wines, cocktails you had tried. Um, and, we, and what we found was people liked that idea, but they didn't return to the app often. And um, so that was kind of our first lesson was let's try to ship something every single month so we can learn how people use it. Well, that's extremely valuable. And I'm almost thinking back to an episode with a good friend of mine, Glenn Cooper, who talked about uh, the ability to, uh, it's, it's really tough to retain uh, people's interest with journaling apps. And uh, you see this really big drop off uh, after one or two or three uh, times into the app, you know, if they have to like do stuff and uh, you had that same experience. So uh, how, how did you then uh, fix the retention? Uh, yeah, that's was kind of our main focus for uh, more than a year, and it's, it's still our main focus. We uh, we actually talked to our users a lot and tried to figure out the best way to make something they wanted to come back to on a weekly basis, which is tough in a drinking app because um, not everyone drinks every day, <laughs> but or, or at least we we hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you're obviously going after a big, uh, you know, target market because the number of drinkers on the world, especially here in the UK, I can imagine you get a lot of downloads from the UK. We're a big nation of drinkers. Absolutely, yeah. We're we're a top 100 food and drink app in 50 countries, um, and UK, Russia, Germany. Uh, there's there's drinkers all over the world, <laughs> which is uh, which has been kind of fun to see the how different countries use the app. No, it just it sounds great. So, so you're, um, you're doing retention, you're, you're getting a lot of feedback uh, from, uh, how do you get the feedback? I'm guessing you're not just reading the reviews, but you're, are you uh, trying to capture email addresses uh, and uh, email people, or uh, are, are you uh, actually physically contacting them? Give, give us an idea of how, how you're actually getting this feedback. Yeah, absolutely. We try to do 10 um, Google Hangout or Skype calls with our users each week. Um, if we can, if they're in... If they're in New York City, we like to meet with them in person because we get a really good idea just talking to them about why they like the app, how, they can in, uh, how we can improve it, and it really makes them part of the process. And we want to have a long-term relationship with our users um, because, you know, you know, everyone who's listening to this podcast knows that there's tons of apps that get downloaded once and deleted. Um, and it's really hard to become part of someone's daily life. But that's the power of mobile. And uh, that's, that's what we set out to do by building Swig. Well, Harry, I have to say that in 227 episodes, you're the first person to mention Google Hangouts with uh, your users. And uh, I just think that's a fascinating idea and something we can all learn from. How do you, how do you actually encourage them to come onto the Google Hangout then? Uh, are you sending push notifications uh, or are you communicating via uh, email list? Uh, how are you actually getting that attention for, for a Google Hangout? It's usually email or Twitter. Um, if, someone, we, if we see someone tweeting out photos from the app a lot, then we'll reach out to them and, and ask them to, to join us. And 
you know, sometimes we don't get a response, but often people are very excited to hear from the creators of the app and, and be able to give their feedback. Yeah, that's uh, fascinating because I, I do feel like there's a, a sometimes a detachment between the person using the app and they think they're, they're 10 steps removed from the creation process. And you're bringing that a lot closer together by uh, just looking out for people tweeting and mentioning it on social media and then reaching out and, and saying, hey, come to a Google Hangout. And uh, then you're getting a lot of feedback from that, uh, which is uh, actually they're, they're shaping the app, uh, which is, uh, I think, a wonderful thing. Absolutely. Uh, I guess that's, actually, that, has that led to really good reviews? Um, yeah, we've, we're lucky enough to have very good reviews. Um, I think we're about almost five stars in the, in the iOS store. And um, yeah, I mean, there's little tricks you can do inside the app to get, to get better reviews for your more active users. Um, but it's, it, people seem to really like the app and they like the accessibility of um, being able to reach us. We actually built in our, my personal phone number is built into the app. So if you ever have a booze-infused idea or you have a question about how to use the app, you can just call me directly. Oh, what a great idea. Harry, I have to say that one of the biggest questions I tend to get uh, is uh, the how, how to monetize apps, you know, through either ads or uh, in-app purchasing or uh, doing a paid app on the iOS store or the Android store. Uh, just wondering what your views are. I mean, how are you planning on uh, making a living from this uh, this app? Yeah. Um, for us, we haven't been focusing on monetization yet. Um, it completely depends on the app. There's there's plenty of apps where it should be a paid model. There's apps where in-app purchases make sense. For us, we wanted to focus on growing the community and getting the product right first. Um, but down the road, uh, I, this is maybe like a sneak preview for your audience, we're going to actually do beer, wine, and spirit delivery. So if you see a friend who's having a great craft beer and you want it delivered you'll be able to do it right from the app okay so that's a, a sneak peek there and that's the reward that you get for listening to this show uh, that we are the first to break this exclusive news for the swig <laughs> app and uh, what a great what a great idea it just shows you that uh, in a way trying to monetize an app you can become become really creative when you actually have the audience and the the uh, downloads and the retention and all the stats are playing into your favor then you could be creative about the way you serve your community and uh, we i think we sometimes get obsessed with uh, you know the monetization strategies and that's obviously a very unique way of uh, uh, you know of actually supporting uh, your, your app and um the, and making it grow um, yeah yeah and we're excited about it because one, we, we look at it as a value add for our users, and it's something that we want. <laughs> we would love to have delivery of craft beer um, or wine or spirits to our apartment. So when you're excited about the monetization strategy, uh, I think that's a good thing for the long term. It could be incredibly uh, disruptive as well, I should imagine, you know, if uh, that you're bypassing... Uh, all the usual outlets, you know, the off-license, the pubs, and you're then uh, getting alcohol directly to people through an app. I mean, it's got to be disruptive. 
Yeah, yeah. It's, um, and we have all this awesome taste data. Um, so the more you use the app, the more we learn about your tastes. So we can start to make really smart recommendations about drinks you've never tried before. And that's what we're all about. I mean, our mission is to help people explore new tastes. And if they can, once they start using the app, we'll be like a Netflix or a Pandora <laughs> where they understand your, your preferences. We understand your preferences in beverages. And uh, that's really powerful for commerce. Yeah, I, I actually think back to uh, a interview that I heard with the uh, founder of uh, Airbnb, and uh, he was explaining that you know people nowadays want their life curated for them, and so any apps that help us do that, you know, I don't want to go out and try five hundred different beers to figure out the ones I like. I just want you know a trusted source uh, to curate those for me. And it sounds like you're on on the money there with the uh, that idea for Swig. Yeah, I mean, um, it's been. We we hope we can really make some great recommendations for people. So, Harry, you know, with all the uh, developers listening to this now, I'm just wondering, have you got any uh, experience with what worked uh, from, uh, you know, like attracting new users? Any? Uh, did you do any com- campaigns over that year? Is it all word of mouth? Uh, was there any uh, particular strategies that seemed to uh, attract a lot of attention for you? Yeah, um, I mean, growth is what keeps us up at night. <laughs> um, and I mean, first first piece of advice I would give developers out there is focus on retention first. I think too often um, startups try to get on the cover of the Wall Street Journal or on the cover of uh, you know New York Times right off the bat. But if you get 100,000 new users and none of them stick around, what's the point of doing that? Um, so just make sure that your users, even if it's 100 people, that they really love what you've built and that they stick around for a few months. I think uh, that's first first thing, and that can really help your growth. Uh, second, we've, we actually did a Kickstarter campaign for our app. Um, we... Over the summer, we said, you know, this is a community-first app. We want our users to be part of the development process. Let's make sure that this is a concept that we can run with for the long term. And we put out a Kickstarter campaign, and we were, um, you know, overwhelmed with the support from our community. Uh, we, get, we sold T-shirts. We did brewery tours, um, distillery tours. We did uh, a speakeasy crawl in New York City. <laughs> And it was, uh, it was just a great way to rally our community and um, get them on board for, for the long term. So that's been a great way to help, to help us grow. Well, Harry, I have to say, I'm uh, listening to you. I've, I'm getting the feeling that it's all about growing the community, growing your audience, growing your fan base. And uh, then uh, that, that is incredibly uh, you know, intuitive and, and educational for us to learn that because uh, we all get distracted by... Uh, the, uh, I guess, pursuit for downloads or the the fact that, yeah, we do want to get mentioned in a a, a popular publication. But uh, what you're saying is like, just get the retention sorted out first and then you can worry a little bit about the growth because once you get the growth, you want to retain those people. And I've got apps that have done exactly the opposite where they've had a lot of downloads, but uh, then no people are sticking around. So uh, you lose all that um, potential upside. Yeah. 
Harry, there's two more things we have to uh, go through before we say goodbye to you. Uh, one is that we do like to try and flesh out new ideas uh, of apps. And uh, we've gone through Swig. I wondered if you had any uh, ideas uh, that you've talked about down the pub whilst you're having drinks, t- uh, taking pictures with Swig. I wondered if you uh, would be able to share with us uh, one or two, just one idea that you've perhaps had. If um, you've got an idea, great. If you haven't, we've got another way of fleshing out an idea from you. Is this for a new app or something yeah, built yeah. on top something, of uh, something people can build, something people that are listening to this and they can actually go out and build um, you know, some idea that you may have had. Yeah. Um, one thing <laughs> this, one thing I've always been interested in, in building is a six-pack. Uh, I don't know if those are big in the UK or not, but, but in the, where you can actually get six different beers put together for you. Um, and have it delivered to your to your apartment or your house. I don't know logistically how that's possible. <laughs> you are onto uh, so, you are onto something really big here because that is uh, very common over here. When we go to uh, pick up uh, a six pack or twelve pack, there are uh, collections. In fact, in the supermarkets now over here, it's very common to see uh, shelves of uh, different beers, and you just pick six, you know, and you get six for the price of four. And uh, then you just put the your, the the, um, the beers you want together in a in a six pack. Awesome! I love seeing that. Man, I need to be your uh, marketing uh, manager over here when you expand into the UK. I've got <laughs> that could be arranged, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So there there you go. Uh, uh, to the developers listening right now, there's a there's an idea for you, uh, an app that perhaps would uh, help you uh, uh, put together a six pack. Uh, of different beers. Uh, what was the what's the most popular beer in New York? If we're coming over to visit, what would uh, do you know? Um, are you able to rank beers and and, and give an, and give me an idea of what the popular beers are? Yeah. Um, so in New York, surprisingly, um, the most popular beer is Guinness posted to our to our app, <laughs> which uh, which I'm surprised about. It's not it's not a local one. It's but it's in a lot of places and. Um, it, it's a good creamy beer, I guess. <laughs> uh, well, when uh, you are uh, next in Ireland, in Dublin, then I've uh, been to a conference that was uh, near the brewery. And if you have a Guinness in the brewery uh, in Dublin, it is the most amazing uh, beer. That you I've know. actually, I had the opportunity to do that a few years ago and it you, it was the best Guinness I ever had. <laughs> It's amazing, and you know what? It's which is ironic over there. This is how the world is so crazy about beer. Even if you drink uh, the Guinness a mile away in a local pub, you know, a mile from the uh, local brewery in in Dublin, then uh, it, the you know the guy, the locals in there are saying it just doesn't travel very well. It doesn't taste as nice, you know. <laughs> and it's only a mile down the road, <laughs> so um, that, that's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, and my yeah. other my other I mean, fact my other fact it, for Guinness I have to say is that uh, it's I think it's the the um, most popular beer in Nigeria for some reason. Interesting. Mm. But I know it's the healthiest one of the healthiest beers you can have. Low calories, low low carbs. Right. Okay. Uh, which is surprising because it tastes like a loaf of bread in a glass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, great. And the. Now, this is the App Guy podcast. We do love talking about apps. And uh, you are a young man in New York. You've got a great business. And uh, I would love to know maybe one or two apps on your phone 
that you use in your business or personal life that would be great recommendations for us? Maybe ones that we haven't come across before. Um, yeah, so I'm a big uh, app guy. I'm, I'm trying to sort through my which which are my favorites. I think um, one that's that I really like is um, Storehouse. It's a storytelling app. I think it was Apple designers who started it, and um, it's a it's a kind of creative way to combine photos, videos, and and tell a visual story. And I thought they did a really good job designing that app. Um, one that I that's never like been in, mentioned, by the way. That and that's Storehouse. Did you say? Yes, Storehouse. Okay. Yep. That's a that's a really nice design. Um, one that I also really like is Instacart. I don't know how, how big it is internationally yet. I think I think they're expanding pretty quickly. They just got a huge fundraising round, but it's um, it's a great way to get groceries delivered to your house in about an hour. Wonderful. That's two recommendations that have never been mentioned before. You've managed to get two new apps, and, 200, and we've had 227 episodes of doing this, so well done. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so... Uh, Harry, uh, it's been a real joy and a pleasure. I think you have to go up there as one of the most interesting, uh, you know, startups. Uh, just, I mean, you epitomize to me what it is like to run your own business and do follow your passion. I mean, how could you be, you know, more passionate than, than about drinking and socializing and, and just and putting that into an app? It, it just must be a wonderful a journey that you're going on. So thanks so much for coming on. How how best can we reach out and connect with you? Yeah, uh, my Twitter is at Harry Raymond's or um, email me. It's harry at swig.co. Wonderful. Well, Harry, it just leaves me to say thank you very much for coming on the App Guy podcast and I, I sincerely wish you all the best with uh, every, everything that's going on there at Swig. Oh, thanks so much for having me, Paul. I, I love the show.